0: Take a all, please, and turn to Romans chapter 13. I'm going to start reading in verse 8 of Romans 13. Owe no man anything but to love one another, for he that loveth another hath fulfilled the law. For this thou shalt not commit adultery, thou shalt not kill, thou shalt not steal, thou shalt not bear false witness, thou shalt not covet, and if there be any other commandment, it is briefly comprehended in this saying, namely, thou shalt love thy neighbour as thyself. Love worketh no ill to his neighbour. Therefore love is fulfilling of the law. And that knowing the time, that now it is high time to wake out of sleep, for now is our salvation nearer than when we believed. The night is far spent, the day is at hand. Let us therefore cast off the works of darkness and let us put on the armour of light. Let us walk honestly as in the day, not in rioting and drunkenness, not in carnal and wantonness, not in strife and embering, but put on ye the Lord Jesus Christ and make no provision for the flesh to fulfil the lusts. let's pray gracious father we do count it indeed a privilege as believers to be able to gather together in this place to be able to take time aside from our busy weeks to sit father God at your feet and to learn from you from your word We pray tonight that indeed as we open up your word, that Lord, we would understand it, that we would glean from it what you would have for us, and that Lord God, that you would be exalted as we do. Lord, I pray that you'd guide me tonight. You know that Father, without you, uh, it's impossible to preach your word, and so I pray tonight that you give me wisdom and power to proclaim your word and truth, and that you'd receive all the praise and all the glory. Guide our time now, we pray, as we study your word. For this we ask in Jesus' name. Amen. In Romans chapter 13, the Apostle Paul has just dealt with our relationship towards our governments in verses 1 through 7. And he speaks about our responsibility to those in authority over us. Now he moves on in verses 8 through 14 to take up the subject of our relationship with our neighbors he sums up our relation to our neighbors in verse 9, where he says, For this thou shalt not commit adultery, thou shalt not kill, thou shalt not steal, thou shalt not bear false witness, thou shalt not covet. To be any other commandment, it is briefly comprehended in this saying, namely, thou shalt love thy neighbor as thyself. Here in verse 9, Paul quotes from the law of Moses. And he summarizes the law up as having love for thy neighbor as thyself. And the whole section, verses 8 through 14, form one common subject. And that subject is living righteously towards a neighbor. The Greek word neighbor means one who is nearby generally considered to mean those in the community in which we live. Love thy neighbor as thyself is the great principle of God's word. But like little children, we often need to be motivated by God and by his word before we will do such things, so tonight let's uh, start to consider this matter of loving our neighbour as ourselves, and see how we ought to behave towards one another. Firstly, notice with me the principle given here in verses eight through ten. It says in verse eight, Own no man anything, but to love one another; for he that loveth another hath fulfilled the law." Love thy neighbor, you know, is the basic Christian principle, isn't it? Go back to John chapter 13. John chapter 13. And verse 34. John 13, 34. A new commandment I give unto you, that you love one another. As I have loved you, that you also love one another. By this shall all men know that ye are my disciples, you ye have a love one for another. This loving One another, loving thy neighbor is a basic Christian principle. It's something that you and I ought to live by. We ought to practice. The word love here in Romans chapter 13 means to value, to esteem highly, to delight in. And here the Apostle Paul tells you and I how we are to demonstrate our love to our neighbors, how to show our love to our neighbour starts here in verse 8, he says, O no man anything but to love one another, for he that loveth another hath fulfilled the law. Paul begins his thoughts on the subjects of loving our neighbor with a rather interesting command. The first thing he tells us when it comes to loving our neighbor is this, O no man anything. Or to put it another way, do not be in debt to anyone. That's the first command with regards to loving our neighbor. Pastor Mitchell on this uh, had this to say. He said, "I think all too much is made of this one small clause in God's word. On the base of this verse, some people will not borrow money or go into lending agreements, but we need to be careful not to overemphasize this statement or to overplay or overapply it. You know, if we were to study the Word of God, if we were to take time to go from Genesis through to Revelation, study the Word of God, and uh, see what the Scriptures have to say with, that refer to this subject, what we find is we don't find any other commands in the Word of God against being in debt. There is no command in God's Word anywhere about being in debt. This is the only verse where it seems to imply that, Oh no man anything. The Old Testament commands relate to extracting usury or interest, but have nothing to do with you and I not borrowing or lending money. An Israelite was not to lend any money to another Israelite and charge interest for that money. They could lend the money and the other Israelite could borrow the money, but they were never to pay interest on the money that they lent or the money that they borrowed. And lending and borrowing were not disallowed in the Old Testament. Look in Deuteronomy 24, please. Deuteronomy 24. And verse 10. It says this, When thou dost lend thy brother anything, thou shalt not go into his house to fetch his pledge, Thou shalt stand abroad, and the man to whom thou dost lend shall bring out the pledge abroad unto thee. So it talks about when thou dost lend thy brother anything. So it was not outlawed to lend, it was not allowed to borrow. If we're allowed to lend or allowed to borrow something from our brother, it figures, doesn't it, that a brother must be allowed to borrow. If we can lend something to a brother, then the brother can borrow something. We are allowed to borrow, and we're allowed to lend. And if we borrow, then we're in debt to the other person. In the Old Testament, there does not appear to be anything stated against being in debt. And the only verse in the whole of the Bible that seems to give that impression is here in Romans chapter 13, verse 8, where it says, O no man, anything there's no other scriptures against being in debt so what is Paul saying here well put simply what he's saying is this we show our love by paying our bills we show our love by paying our bills remember this whole section verse 8 through 14 is about love thy neighbor and he says the first principle in demonstrating love for thy neighbor and the neighbor includes saved and unsaved, the first principle in showing your love to your neighbor is that you make sure you pay your bills. The key to this is back in verse 7 of chapter 13. It says this, Render therefore to all their Jews, tribute to whom tribute is due, custom to whom custom, fear to whom fear, and honor to whom honor. The word Jews in verse 7, Render therefore to all their Jews, Has the same root in the Greek as the word owe in verse 8. So, what Paul is saying is he's saying we ought to make sure that we render to every man that which we owe every man. Pastor Mitchell again, he said this Owe no man anything is a summary command to cover what he had said in verse 7. It's a negative form of the positive command. The negative form of render, therefore, to all their Jews. What the Apostle Paul is saying here to us is if we owe something to someone, then pay it. Render to them their Jews. Render to them what we owe them. So owe no man anything is not saying that we can't borrow. It is not saying we can't go into debt. It's not money borrowed, but it's talking about bad debts. Don't be indebted to somebody. It's not saying that I shouldn't take out a loan agreement to buy a car, for instance, or a loan agreement to buy a house. But it is saying if I've made an agreement to pay a certain amount each month, then that's what I owe. That is my due. That's why I ought to render unto them that payment, that monthly payment that I've agreed to pay to the person to which I borrowed the money from, I ought to pay my share. I ought to pay what I owe. And in a loan, you only owe the next installment. And we must render that amount according to our agreement with the lender. If I owe a certain amount per month and I don't pay it, then that's when we have not rendered our dues. That's when we owe somebody something and we should never be in a situation where we are in debt for what is our due and the reason is because remember he's talking about loving thy neighbor if you and I do not pay our debts if we do not pay our bills do not pay back our loan on time then bad debts are a bad testimony and when we have a bad testimony because we have bad debts then we have lost our ability to be a testimony for Christ, there is no love shown. We did not display Christ to them because we didn't render unto them what was their due. We didn't give them what we owed them. We show our love to one another. We show our love to others and we display the character of Christ by our financial dealings. If you and I have a bad testimony in regard to finances, then we'll have no hope of ever reaching people for Christ, those people that we're trying to deal with. If we get a reputation around town, don't lend money to that person because you can guarantee they'll never pay back on time, then we've lost our testimony, lost our effectiveness in being a witness for Jesus Christ. so we should display our love in our financial dealings. Now, having given that summary, Paul turns the argument in another direction. Because there is an exception to the rule he has just given. And the exception to that rule is, uh, with regard to loving one another, is that uh, there is one debt that we should never feel we have paid. One debt that we should always have over us. And that is the debt of love, one to another. Pastor Mitchell said this, We are not to be in debt to others except the debt of love for one another. So it says here, O no man anything, and then he says, here's the exception clause, but to love one another. For he that loveth one another hath fulfilled the law. So we're not to owe men anything, we are not to be in debt to anybody, we are to render to them their Jews except in this area. And that is that we love one another. We should never feel that we have fully paid the debt, that if we fully paid was owed with this regard to love. We are to continually seek to demonstrate our love one to another and to the unsaved. That's a debt that needs to be ongoing. We know that Paul is talking here about the love that we should show to our neighbors because... Of what he says in verses 9 and 10 he says for this thou shalt not commit adultery thou shalt not kill thou shalt not steal thou shalt not bear false witness thou shalt not covet and if there be any other commandment it is briefly comprehended in this saying namely thou shalt love thy neighbor as thyself love worketh no ill to his neighbor therefore love is fulfilling the law so the principle that governs everything he's saying here is this matter of loving our neighbor And we demonstrate that firstly by not not being in debt to somebody, but we need to remember that we always do owe the debt of love to everybody we meet. Paul sensed that debt to all men back in Romans chapter 1. Look in Romans chapter 1, please, verse 14. He said, I am debtor both to Greeks and to barbarians, both to wise and to unwise, so as much as is in me, I'm ready to preach the gospel to you that are at Rome also, for I am not ashamed of the gospel of Christ, for it is the power of God and the salvation to everyone that believeth, to the Jew first and also the Greek. He said, I'm a debtor to Greeks and the barbarians, to the wise and unwise, because I am ready to preach the gospel to them. And I owe a debt of, of uh, love towards everyone I meet, particularly the unsaved, to show them the love of Christ, to demonstrate to them the gospel of Jesus Christ we should always feel and understand the debt that we owe to each other and the debt that we owe to the unsaved. This is a debt that's never paid. This is a debt that we are continually needing to pay. It's a debt that is ongoing for the whole of our lives. It's to show love one to another and show love to our neighbor. Now he goes on to explain further what it means to practice love to our neighbor in verse 8 and 9. He says... That we show love by fulfilling the law. Look at verse 8. Owe no man anything but to love one another. And then he says, For he that loveth another hath fulfilled the law. He that hath loveth another hath fulfilled the law. Then in verses 9 and 10, he elaborates on what exactly, which part of the law he is referring to. Verse 9. For this thou shalt not commit adultery, thou shalt not kill, thou shalt not... Still, thou shalt not bear false witness, thou shalt not covet, and if there be any other commandment, it is briefly comprehended in this saying, namely, thou shalt love thy neighbour as thyself. Love worketh no ill in his neighbour, therefore the love is fulfilling the law. He elaborates exactly what part of the law he's talking about when he says in verse 8, for love uh, loveth one another, hath fulfilled the law... He explains what part of the law he's talking about in verse 9, and he lists five of the Ten Commandments. In fact, what he does, he lists the last five of the Ten Commandments. Now, if you know the Ten Commandments, the first five of the Ten Commandments relate to our responsibility towards God and towards our family. The second five, the last five Ten Commandments quoted here, are more general, and they speak regarding our relationship to men generally here they're called our neighbors he lists five commands that we are to make sure we obey in relationship to our neighbor that we might show love to our neighbor these are commands for our relationship with our neighbors keeping them or breaking them has nothing to do with getting saved or not being saved or whatever the case might be this has got nothing to do with salvation He's talking to believers here. This is to do with believers. What is our responsibility as believers to our neighbors? The responsibility of believers to our neighbors is to make sure that we fulfil these five commands. For in doing this, we will show the love of Christ. But if we keep them, we will be loving our neighbors as God tells us to. If we don't, we'll be failing to love our neighbors. Pastor Mitchell said again, so loving our neighbor means we don't sin against them by committing adultery or murdering or stealing from them or lying to them or coveting their goods or their wives. I mean, if we do any of those things to our neighbor, our neighbor's really not going to see the love of Christ, is it? Not even going to know that we love them. I mean, if you sin against your neighbor by committing adultery, the neighbor is not going to want to know about Christ and his love for them. If we murder somebody, we steal from them, if we lie to them, we covet their goods and their wives, any of those things that we did to our neighbor would not demonstrate Christ's love to them, in fact, would turn them off Christ. So if we're going to demonstrate the love of Christ, if we're going to love our neighbor, then we need to make sure that we do not break any of these commands paul then goes on just in case we haven't understood this if there is any possible category that you and i uh missed in all of this if we want to find exceptions in these rules he then gives the guiding principle for these five commands in the second part of verse 9 he says this he says uh, if there be any other commandment it is briefly comprehended in this saying, namely, thou shalt love thy neighbor as thyself. If the five commands that I've highlighted, Paul says, do not cover everything with regard to our relation to our neighbors, if that if there's any loophole, any area that is left undone, then know this. The overarching, the governing principle is this that you love your neighbor as thy self here he refers to Leviticus 19:18, which says that thou shalt love thy neighbor as thyself I am the Lord it's also something the Lord confirmed in Matthew 19:19, 19, 19, where he says love thy neighbor as thyself and so we're to love our neighbor as ourselves in other words what we would expect our neighbor to do to us what we would expect others to do to us we do to them we show our love for them by treating them as we would want others to treat us. In Romans 13:10, Paul puts in summary form what loving the neighbor looks like. He says, show love by doing good to thy neighbor. He says in verse 10, love worketh no ill to his neighbor. Therefore, love is fulfilling of the law. Love does nothing to hurt a neighbor. You really want to know what he's talking about. When he says, love thy neighbor, what does that mean? Love thy neighbor as thyself, what does that mean? It means this, don't do anything that would hurt them. Don't do anything that would harm them. If you want to love your neighbor, then we do that by showing no ill. The phrase showing no ill, he means by by not doing anything bad to them. Love does no harm. And the law, the Ten Commandments, the second part of the Ten Commandments, those five commandments, the law's aim is to help you and I to love our neighbors. That's why love is the object here of verse of the law. It says that in verse 10, love worketh no ill to his neighbor, therefore love is the fulfilling of the law. These five commandments, what was the point of these second five commands? Indeed, what was the purpose of all the commandments? The purpose of the commandment is love. Love to God in the first five commands, love to our neighbor in the second five commands. Remember the Lord said there was two commandments, to love God and love thy neighbor. These are the commands, this is, these are the five commandments, the 5 2 lay tables of five commandments, and you and I are to demonstrate love to our neighbor, and if we do that, that's what is fulfilling the law. Love is the fulfillment of the law. The law simply just spells out what it looks like. It just lists the and identifies some areas which should never be found in believers in relationship to other people. These things are the demonstration of, of the law. But the truth of the matter is, if we love our neighbor as ourselves, we will not do those things to those people. We wouldn't want anyone to steal from us. We wouldn't want anyone to murder anyone in our family. We wouldn't want anyone to do, uh, to covet anything that we have, or to covet our wives, or husbands, or to commit adultery, we wouldn't want people to do that to us. So if we truly love others, we won't do it to them. Love is the fulfilling of the law. And you know, the Old Testament law, while you and I are not under the law... The law was given as a schoolmaster to bring us to Christ, but also the law is God's principle of righteousness. And you and I need to obey God's commands. And if we want to show, demonstrate love, then we will keep his commandments. It does no harm. The word fulfills here in verse 10, where it says, therefore, love is the fulfilling of the law. The word fulfills is fullness This is the essence of the law. If we love, we'll go out of our way to help someone. Remember the story the Lord used to demonstrate this in in the uh, uh, Gospels? The story of the Good Samaritan? This is how he demonstrated what it meant to love thy neighbor. And you know the story that the the, the Levite and the priest saw the man, the Samaritan, who was who uh, saw the man who was injured by the side of the road and they walked by on the other side and did nothing for him. Then the Samaritan came along, the one who should not have stopped, came along and he went out of his way to take care of this person who was injured by the side of the road. He put him on his donkey and he took him to an inn and he paid for his accommodation while he was was healing from this wounds that had been inflicted on him by robbers along the way. And the Samaritan, the good Samaritan, is a demonstration of loving thy neighbor. In other words, if you were in the ditch, if someone had robbed you and left you in a ditch, bleeding and hurting, what would you want from somebody else? You would want somebody who was passing by to stop and help you. Therefore, the demonstration of love is that you would go out of your way to help your neighbor. We should love our neighbors with all our being in any way we can. Because love greatly benefits our neighbors and enables you and I to have a powerful testimony to them. Because they see Christ in us, the hope of glory. He then gives to us, in verse 11 and 12, the motivation for loving our neighbor. He says in verse 11, he says, And that knowing the time, that now it is high time to wake out of sleep, For now is our salvation nearer than when we believed. The night is far spent. The day is at hand. Let us therefore cast off the works of darkness. Let us put on the armor of light. Now remember the context here is loving thy neighbor. That's this context. And he now tells us the motivation. Why should we practice the law? Why should we practice the essence of the law and love our neighbors as ourselves? What's the reason for that? Well, the motive for seeking to treat our neighbor in a right way is that Jesus is coming again, and that coming is soon. And the soon return of Christ should motivate you and I to live right. That's verse 11. And knowing that, the and connects us back to the previous section, and knowing that, and that knowing the time that, now it is high time to wake out of sleep, For now is our salvation nearer than when we believed. Christ's return is soon. And with that in mind, the motivation for you and I demonstrating love to our neighbors is the soon return of Christ. Time is short. Souls are lost. People need the Savior. They need us to demonstrate love now. Let me quote from Pastor Mitchell again. He said, We need to do right toward our neighbor from something more than an earthly motive. If our motive is earthly, then we will soon lose our cool, be put off by the unfairness or thoughtlessness of others. When our neighbor puts his garbage over our fence, we will retaliate. He started it. When a driver in one of our streets cuts in and drives dangerously, we will take the law into our own hands. But if we have a heavenly view, love, agape love, will constrain us. What's in view here in verses 11 and 12 is the big picture. And the big picture should affect our daily lives. This is why we, you and I ought to love our neighbors. This is the big picture. What's the, what's the motivation behind this? What, why should we do this? Because our salvation is nearer than when we believed. It says there in verse 11. For now is our salvation nearer. Than when we believed. And this cannot be salvation. From the penalty of sin. Because he's talking about. Since we believed. So he's talking to those of us. Who were saved. This is since we believed. You and I are saved. So this salvation now. This salvation is nearer now. Than when we believed. has got nothing to do with. Saving faith. It's got nothing to do with our. Salvation from sin. And it cannot be salvation from the power of sin. Because that comes by the working of the indwelling Holy Spirit. Not by works. You and I cannot, by works, deliver ourselves from the power of sin. That is the work of the Holy Spirit within us. As He conforms us to the image of Christ. As we are changed from glory to glory as we are sanctified daily by the working of the Spirit of God in our hearts, then you and I are changed. We have the power over sin. So what is in view here is salvation from the presence of sin. It's still when, we'll be, when we who are saved will be saved from the sinful body. The time when you and I will be delivered from this world. The time of salvation in view here is our glorification Which is at hand? Look in First Thessalonians chapter five, please. First Thessalonians chapter five and verse one. But of the times and of the and the seasons, brethren, you have no need that I write unto you, for ourselves know perfectly, and for yourselves know perfectly, that the day of the Lord so cometh as a thief in the night. For when they shall say, Peace and safety, then sudden destruction cometh upon them, as travail upon a woman with child, and they shall not escape. But ye, brethren, are not in darkness, that that day should overtake you as a thief. Ye are all the children of light, and the children of the day. We are not of the night, nor of darkness. Therefore let us not sleep, as do others, but let us watch and be sober. You know, there is a time coming when Christ will return. And that's the salvation he's talking about here. He's talking about our glorification. To Paul and to the New Testament writers, Christ's return was imminent. They believed Christ was coming in their lifetime. They had absolute confidence that Jesus was going to come before they went home to glory. Now, if the first century saints believed Christ was coming in their lifetime, what should we believe 2,000 years on? We should certainly believe he could come in our lifetime. Because his return, our redemption, our salvation is closer now than the day we believed. He could come at any time. And therefore, Paul goes on to say, that it's high time that we wake up. Look what he says in verse 12. The night is far spent. The day is at hand. Let us therefore cast off the works of darkness and let us put on the armor of light. He basically says, wake up. The night is far spent. Romans 13, 12, he says, the time for his coming is near. So knowing that the darkness is soon to be over, we need to wake out of sleep. The darkness of this world The darkness of iniquity, the darkness of sin is soon to be over. So wake up, he says. Stop acting as though we are in the dark, like the rest of the unsaved world. He says to us here, he says, cast off the works of darkness. The works of darkness like adultery, murder, stealing, lying, coveting whatever else comes under, not doing to others what we wouldn't want them to do unto us. Cast off all the works, cast off all those works of darkness, those things that we would never want done to us. Cast them off and demonstrate love to thy neighbor because the day is coming soon when Christ returns. The darkness will be ended. Wake up. And let people know that Jesus loves them. Show the the neighbor the love of God. Because one day it will be too late. He then adds this phrase in verse 12. He says, let us put on the armor of light. To love an unlovely world and to love our neighbor as ourselves in this selfless way means we will take some flack. You and I will face opposition. So we all need the armor of light. need to put on the armor of light. It's the armor of Ephesians chapter 6. It tells us to put on the armor of God in Ephesians chapter 6. That we might be able to stand against the walls of the devil and having done all to stand We're to put on the helmet and the breastplate, and we're to have our feet shod with the preparation of the gospel, and we're to take the sword of the Spirit. We're to go forth into the battle. And we go forth with the armor of lights. It's a wonderful truth. We're entering into the darkness, beloved, the darkness of this world. And there is no doubt this world is in darkness, but we are going forward dressed in the armor of lights. And what are we shining on the world? We're shining the love of God. How? By loving our neighbors as ourselves. By demonstrating to them what it means to love. What it is that God, when God says he loves them, what it means that God loves them. That's the light that we're going forward with. We're going forward with the armor of light. Yes, we will face opposition. Yes, we will face the fiery darts of the devil. Yes, we will face the the persecution along the way. But you and I are to go forward in the gospel of light and we're to stand shining in the darkness and the light that's shining is the love of God because you and I are loving our neighbors as ourselves. We're fulfilling the five commandments of God by demonstrating the love of God to a lost and dying world. And we need to do it now because the return of Christ is closer now than it was the day in which we believed. He could come today. So we need to act now. We need to wake up now. We need to move on this now. We need to act like the day is approaching now. Because the lost will be lost forever if they don't know about the love of Christ. Paul calls out to believers to wake up. Effectively, he says to you and I, stop drifting through life. Get serious for the Lord. Practice loving our neighbors. while we have the time. Romans 13, 8 through 12 are the basic requirements we need to fulfill if we're to love our neighbors as ourselves. The unsaved do not have these qualities as a rule. That's why we have adultery, murder, theft, lies, coveting. Because the unsaved world does not have the qualities of loving their neighbor as themselves. They don't know how to practice these five commandments. One commentator said this, these are all the hallmarks of a human society. The reason they exist and will until Jesus comes is because the world is in the dark. Only the light can set them free and cause them to live with each other peaceably. There is a spiritual darkness in our world that our neighborhood watch, neighborhood centers, the brotherhood of mankind, and the United Nations cannot ever hope to cope with. They are in darkness, and even the nicest, Kindest ones commit adultery, lie, and covet. However, we are the light of the world. You and I walk in the light. And the Lord is coming. So, the time for you and I to work, the time for you and I to shine the light of the love of God upon the world is running out. It's later than it's ever been. We can't win our neighbor to Christ if we hate him for something he's done to us. Or if we steal from him or we covet something that he owns, they're all works of darkness. We must put on truth, righteousness, salvation, faith, the gospel, God's word and prayer. That's the armor of light. These are the means for loving our neighbor as ourselves. The devil has lulled many a believer to sleep with the other interests and occupations of this world And like the Apostle Paul says you and I need to realize that night is far spent, the day is at hand therefore we need to cast off the works of darkness we need to put on the armor of light. Christ could come today I wonder, are we demonstrating the love of Christ to our neighbors by loving our neighbor as ourselves? Next time we'll have a look at verses 13 and 14 to close out this. But this is the command to you and I, that you and I are to love our neighbor. And Paul has spelled out here for us, the Lord has spelled out here for us, how it is that we demonstrate that love So we have no excuse to say, well, what does it mean to love our neighbor? Now it's our responsibility as believers to practice that, to walk in the armor of light for the glory of God that souls might see Christ and ultimately see their need of the Savior. Let's close in prayer. Gracious Father, we thank you tonight for your word. We thank you for Romans. We thank you for... Uh, help us to understand, Father God, what it means to love our neighbor as ourselves, to spell it out clearly in black and white. And Father, we might understand the principle that we then might walk in the armor of light. Lord, help us to go forth and shine in this dark world that people might see the love of Christ, demonstrate it in us as we demonstrate to them our love for them that they might be enlightened to the truth before it's eternally too late, before Christ returns and the testimony has gone. Would you pray that you're blessed now this night. Help us to commend your word to our hearts, we pray. Bless as We close with the hymn, we pray in Jesus' name.